0: Hey, welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm calling this little episode, Pastoring Through a Pandemic. Well, it's actually not really a plague, at least if you're thinking about Moses and Egypt and all that. But this coronavirus thing is pretty scary for a lot of people. And actually, I'm one of them. You know, they say that males are more likely to get the disease than females. And people who are in their 70s and up are in danger. And I'm one of those. And my wife has respiratory problems, and she's just about the same age as me. And so, this is a very important issue to the two of us, and uh, it's going to be to you and to your church. And so, I just wanted to take today to talk about this and and some things that we ought to be really thinking about as pastors and leaders. You know, I got up this morning to emails from a restaurant that I frequent, and no, it's not McDonald's, and from a mall that I visited a couple times. And both of them were kind of shallow. Of, funky little things to reassure me that they are doing whatever they can, stepping up their efforts to sanitize their bathrooms, their tabletops, their handrails. They're even going to give me free wipes at the door. I was in a grocery store yesterday. There were free wipes at the door, uh, as there always are at Home Depot. And so uh, this isn't really a whole lot of reassurance because what it seems like to me is that it's a, they want my business. It's a time of financial danger to them. Uh, let alone the personal danger of the virus to them. Uh, It's going to be whatever it is, and and it's going to take whatever turn it takes, and it's not going to be pleasant, and we know that. Uh, So there's some good news and some bad news when we approach this thing of this coronavirus and and what it does and what it doesn't do. Uh, We know that the virus is not airborne, so breathing on an airplane is safe, actually, as long as you don't interface with somebody who has the illness. Now, when we're talking about interfacing with people, um, obviously, you know, I've I've sat next to somebody on a on a long trip home from Singapore that that had uh, really bad body odor, and and I was interfacing with them, no matter how much I wanted to or how little I wanted to, but you know the the system the the air conditioning system in an airplane actually cleanses the air it's probably safer to breathe than anywhere else that you'd go other than in a hospital in an operating room but um the so the deal is that the that it's not like the measles the thing doesn't just come around through the air on a on a general sense but if you're within a six foot radius of a person and they sneeze or they cough uh, then you've been exposed to the disease. And that's where it starts to get to be a scary thing. So you don't even need to have a face-to-face con- conversation with somebody, uh, let alone hug them or, you know, whatever. Uh, you just need to be within reach of somebody when, when they cough and they don't cough into their shirt or whatever it is. So this is really a time for caution. You know, yesterday I began to, you know, look at my age and what's going on, the things that they're saying, uh, of course, the stock market has, you know, done whatever it's done. And, and so I'm having to figure all that out. And and in, in the middle of it, I, I started thinking I got a vacation scheduled in a couple of weeks. And we go to this resort where, you know, it's kind of like a timeshare deal. And uh, so I contact them. I want to cancel because I really think that being in a situation where you're basically in a hotel, you can't escape having interface of some kind with other people. Even the receptionist at the hotel desk is talking to hundreds of people and where we're going to go in Palm Springs. These people have mostly flown from someplace else. And so we're not really sure what's going on. So we've just decided that we're going to kind of hunker down and camp out a little bit in our house. We'll still go to doctor appointments. I'll still buy gas. We'll still go to the grocery store Uh, I'm getting dual exhaust put in my car next week. I'm going to follow through with that, but I'm not going to go to places where there's a lot of people and, uh, or or people that I'm in really, really close contact with for my sake, for my wife's sake, but also for their sake. You know, I'm today, I'm six days back from a conference that I was at the exponential conference in Orlando and probably the best exponential we've ever had. And I mean, I'm just so amazed at exponential. They're moving the needle. Ten years ago, only four percent of the people in the, United, the pastors' churches in the United States had ever planted a church, and that includes church splits, which you know is kind of an accidental church planting. Um, but as I as I was there, I, it's like this overwhelmingly wonderful thing. We're at seven percent now, on our way to ten percent that have actually multiplied. This is a move of God. This is something that I'm so proud to be a part of. And it was such a, an uplifting experience. I spent time with guys who were working toward helping guys that are intentionally bivocational or helping people to plant churches with an intent toward a bivocational or a freelance pastorate where you have a career and a job and it makes sense and, and, it, and it takes care of your family. And so all this is really good. But the, the, the short truth is I was with over 5,000 people for a week. And uh, though I don't think that anybody sneezed in my direction, nobody coughed on me, any of that, I have no idea whether or not I was exposed to that virus. And to get to Florida and back, I I went, I was in airports six times. I prolonged time. I was in club rooms. I was in restaurants. I was in bathrooms. I was at car rental counters. I just, I, I passed so many people on the tram in Orlando that takes you to and from the gates did I get exposed to the virus? I have no idea. I, I I just don't know what's going on. All I know is that the virus would be a serious thing for me. And so I I don't want to get sick, and I don't want my wife to get sick. But also, we don't want other people to get sick. You know, in our small group, our, our microchurch within a church, if you would, um, we're a small, you know, maybe eight, nine people, but we meet in someone's living room. It's very much face to face conversation. We're very much within a six foot radius of each other. My wife and I have just come from this long trip where we've been face off with perhaps 12, 14,000 people that we passed by or something where we're in that six foot radius uh, with six days ago. So we could even have the virus and we don't even know it. And there's other people in our group that interface with large companies they do events to do team building and you know probably their business is going to take a hit in the next few weeks but they've been in business right up till now and so uh, they potentially are exposed and we don't want to expose other people so we're cutting off our home group for a little while until this thing passes and this brings us to church on the weekend you know I live in San Diego where the air is warmer, which is actually supposed to be a plus. And we're in a congregation of about 200 people in an auditorium that could accommodate three times that many of us. And, you know, I kind of have this thing where I like to sort of sit in the back and watch what goes on and and just observe. And, you know, uh, my pastor is quite a bit younger than me, obviously. And actually, he grew up in our church in Hawaii. So that makes it really fun to go to church. And, and so I, I have a little bit of an opportunity to coach, you know, and and that's a good thing. So I kind of tend to sit off to the side anyway. I could actually go sit in that auditorium and I don't have to be in a six-foot circle of anybody around me. But then there's the hugging reflex. You know, I, I come from Hawaii where people are loving and they hug each other a lot and, and it just wears off. And so, you know, I'm just not sure that I'll keep from hugging somebody who may have the virus or, you know, God forbid if I had it I don't want to pass it on and so I I think that we're going to plan on skipping church for the next few weeks you know we're going to send the offering in but we're going to skip church we don't want to be in that building with those people and you know when you think about the church building I've always thought of a church building as a kind of a clubhouse you know rich people are involved in country clubs and uh, there's this sort of sense of belonging. Starbucks gives us this third place. You know, you got the workplace, you got home, you got the third place. Well, of course, we go to church to, to be equipped in the word, uh, to worship the Lord, to fellowship with other believers. But I think there's a the clubhouse effect. In fact, in the churches that I've started, uh, we noticed that in the first church where we had a building, it was a clubhouse for people. In uh, the second church, uh, we were in a public school, and as soon as we got a building, that that expanded the clubhouse effect. But until that time, the rented office space that we had and the classroom place that we had was a, a place uh, that people saw as a place of refuge. You know, some of our people were homeless, had a job, living in a car, uh, other people taking care of them. Uh, many, many, many of our people today are renters, and they don't own anything. And so there's a sense of permanence that has to do with the church building is a kind of a clubhouse. And for sure, in a, in a time of storm in, in Hawaii where we have had we had one major hurricane while I lived there, at that time, the churches in, in Kauai got basically wiped out. People were stuck in their houses. They couldn't get out because trees had fallen across their driveways. Our church was intact. But I noticed that people, as soon as it began to die down, you know, the all-clear came, People were running for the church building. They wanted each other. They wanted that clubhouse effect. We were able to band together and we actually kind of ran a little charter airline for several days. We raised a bunch of money, took an op- offering of blue tarps in our church and roofing material. We bought a bunch of chainsaws and we shipped them into an airport, small airport that was still open on the North Shore of Kauai. And, you know, had church members in Kauai able to go and, and dig their neighbors out with a chainsaw. They could cut down the trees across the driveway. But all of that had to do with this sense of, of place. There was a tsunami warning while I was in Hawaii, and, and people just drove to the church. It was a place of safety. It was a place where they could feel really good about being there with their friends and all of that. But this time, it's a whole different deal. Uh, this time, the church building is kind of a off limits place because it's a place where you could get sick. And I think that if I were still pastoring, I want to talk about what I would do if I were still pastoring. I'd shut the building until we got word that the coronavirus was subsiding. You know, our people and our staff need to know that we value their safety far more than we value our program and our church finances because church finances are going to be affected anytime you shut down the building. Uh, that's just a given. And so we as God's people, and, and particularly as shepherds in the flock, we're better at taking care of our people than the local shopping mall or than the restaurant that I like to get pizza at. And we need to prove it at this time. Our people need to know that we care about them, and we care about them more than we care about the program or, or anything institutional or organized about what we call it. The main deal here is to shepherd the flock. During times of threat, you and I need to stay connected with our people. Actually, that's why I'm doing this right now. I had another podcast scheduled. I'm putting this thing out because I think it's important that at a time like this, you hear from somebody that you trust. And so if I were still a pastor, which I'm not, at a minimum, I'd use Facebook Live to preach on Sundays or whenever it is that you hold your primary church service. And actually, I think I'd, I'd do something twice a week. I think people are going to want to hear the shepherd's voice in a time when they feel like they're under threat. I mean, the threats are twofold here. you got to realize that there's the physical threat, but then there's the financial threat. You know, the, the stock market is in bear market territory and probably heading lower. That's going to impact particularly retired people, but it's going to scare everybody. Recession is coming. I mean, it can't be avoided at this point. When you shut down the economy, as much as it's being shut down, March Madness is being played to empty stadiums. NBA is talking about emptying the auditoriums where they watch basketball. All kinds of conventions are being shut down. State of California is asking that nobody meet in groups of more than a thousand people, including churches. If you have a church of more than a thousand, then you're supposed to shutter the place. Well, actually, that's kind of silly if you think about it, because if you're a church of 40 people and you all get together, you're within that six foot radius and that's not a good thing. And But you want to stay in contact with your people. They want to stay in contact with each other. They want to stay in contact with you. And, you know, you may have some pretty sophisticated device for, you know, perhaps it's a podcasting platform. Who knows what it is that you can bring video to your people, you can bring whatever. But for sure, social media with its incredible ability for people to share what they saw. Because this might actually become a time of church growth. You take care of your people really well and they're able to share it. And share your message or message of comfort—it could actually result in evangelism. So I'd be doing something a couple times a week, uh, at least on Facebook Live, because I think that people would need to hear my voice, and I, I want them to feel the reassurance of that their shepherd is is in touch with them. And by the way, you're going to be sitting home without very much to do, and so you might as well do this as anything else. The other thing I'd do is I'd be sure to keep up on the news so that my people had a real sense that, that our pastor is well-informed and he understands the threat. He understands what's going on. You know, they may be news junkies all the time. They want to know you at least know as much as they do. And so that's an important thing in this time. I'd stay in the Word and I'd work hard to focus on scriptures that build faith during a time of stress. I'd remind people that we can cast our cares upon Jesus. I can remember as a young boy discovering. 1 Peter 5, 7, where it says we can cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. Remind people that Jesus cares about what they're going through at this time and that you care about them as well. Remind people that Jesus is the healer. The Scripture is rife with statements in the Old Testament and in in the New, where the Lord says that I'm the God that heals you. I would take our people through the 23rd Psalm. Uh, that would be really important to me because for some we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Certainly for old people and for males, uh, this is a real issue at this time. In t- addition to preaching, and actually I'm kind of more of a teacher than I am a preacher. I'd start a daily devotional. Again, I'd use Facebook Live or something like it. Uh, maybe you just do a round robin email thing. But I, you know, whatever you're doing in your devotions, I would be sharing it with people. And you know, I mean, obviously they're going to get something good out of God's word, but it's not just the word. again, it's it's being in touch, and especially if you can create some kind of a group deal, uh, you understand social media probably better than I do, but you know I do something that that holds the congregation in touch with each other as well as in touch with you during this difficult time. Again, the social media platforms that offer the capacity for sharing. Uh, are an opportunity for this to bleed over into era of evangelism. At least people could be talking about God. You know, I'd be sure to teach on Philippians four because I know that God will supply all of our needs. And and there's so much that's so rich in that little passage where Paul talks to this church in Philippi that was going through financial distress and, and reminds them as they've dug deep to help him, that they're going to be taken care of as well. And then, When this thing gets over, I'd be sure to talk about the inevitable financial hit that my church would take during this trying time. It's going to be at several different levels. I mean, some of the people in your church are probably going to lose their jobs. And then, most certainly, offerings are going to be disrupted during a time when people are staying home. So, this is going to be a difficult time. And it's something that you need to face real head on. I've tried to skate over financial problems and just, you know, weather the storm and pretend everything's going really well and talk things up. But then what I really found was it's most useful just to come right out and say, you know what, we got a problem. And we didn't cause the problem. The problem happened to us. It's not something we generated, but it's something that we can do something about. And so I'm going to spend the next few weeks talking about money. And you know, if you happen to be somebody who maybe because of the virus and you got scared, you showed up in church today, and it's just reinforcing the thought that uh, pastors always talk about money, and here we are on the heels of this trying time talking about money. Well, tough luck because I don't do this on a regular basis. I don't talk about money every week, but I am going to for the next three or four weeks. Right off, I'd start with a series on tithing and stewardship. Because, you know, there's this covenant that God makes with us that he'll bless us, that if we give, he'll give, that the tithes come into the storehouse, and the storehouse will be hurting as we come out of this thing. And so I would kind of deal with those things. and, And rather than cover them up or hide them, I've always learned it's just better to get it on the table, get it out front. And you know what? The people in your church who already give and already support you, they're going to dig deeper because they know, but the church that they love is in need at this time. Other people are gonna come out of this people who come to your church and throw five bucks in the plate or twenty bucks in the plate, and they never even think about really seriously engaging God as a as a steward of what he's given to them. This is a time that would be used to their advantage. And I really wanna stress that to their advantage. I you know, I started tithing ten percent to the Lord when I was five years old. I am a really old guy. And when I was a little boy, I got a dime a week for an allowance. So a dime a week in those days would translate to about $15 right now. When my father accepted the Lord and, and I accepted the Lord right alongside him, when I was five, he was 30. He taught me to tithe. And so I didn't get a dime anymore. I got a nickel and five pennies. And I've been doing this ever since probably every dollar I've ever earned. I've tithed on, at least to my knowledge. And I've, Firmly believe that tithing ten percent. I mean, it's something that the church has done throughout history. No matter if the Old Testament offers three kinds of tithes or not, the church until recent times has been a tithing church, and it's gone forward on the tithes and offerings of its people. But along with that, God has blessed His people, and He certainly has blessed me. I I, I grew up in a background where we were kind of you know one car family, middle class. Uh, my dad was blue collar person. God has taken me to places that I never anticipated going, and so much of it I relate to the fact that God has blessed my finances because I've entered into this pact with the Lord. So I would come out of this thing, and I would make sure that I was talking about that at least as much as you could comfortably talk about it. You don't want people to think you're money grubbing on the the heels of a crisis, certainly, but uh, the truth is, the truth is, and so let's face it, and and come out of it, you know, comforting those who suffered loss. Uh, there may be some people die in your church. I mean, that's going to take far greater priority over anything about finances. But you do have to deal with the financial issue, because as a responsible shepherd, uh, part of getting your people through this is is helping them to partner with God, as God's willing to partner with them, and also ensuring that your church is there next week. So, how threatening is this whole deal? We know that church. As we know it in the United States is already under stress. People are turned off to what they see as excess in the church. People are turned on to organizations that are actually making a difference in terms of, of social issues. And sometimes our churches are so wrapped up in debt and mortgages and salaries and programs. You know, some of our programs are. I mean, I've been to churches that make me want to throw up. We mistake perfection for excellence. We mistakenly believe that the 70% of people in America who really don't care are going to somehow be attracted to our church. I live near a church that has big silly signs on the highway all the time trying to engage people who drive by. And what they're really doing is they're really swapping seats with the church down the road. You know, what we're doing is playing musical chairs in church. And so church as we know it is under stress. But get this, the church of Jesus Christ is not. He said it would withstand everything that the gates of hell would not prevail against him or his church. And I'm certain that Jesus is feeling no stress because of what's gone on in the church climate in America or what's compounded by this virus and what's compounded by the financial fire fallout of this virus. In fact, Jesus is in control and, he nor his ecclesia is under threat in any way. It shouldn't really worry us that much either. We may find that the pattern, the current operating system of the U.S. church is in jeopardy, but the church of Jesus certainly is not. He will prevail. And as I think about these things, I just want to make sure that I'm walking in faith and that I'm trying to remain in lockstep with him. Jesus will protect and he will provide. You know, this morning as I was in the Word. I came across John chapter 15, verse 16. Actually, I came across the whole chapter and a few others as well. But John fifteen sixteen always sticks out to me. It tells us that we didn't choose Jesus. You did not choose the ministry that you lead. Jesus chose you and placed you in it. And that means that your deal is, your responsibility is that you abide in him and that you love your neighbors And that you take care of the flock that he's entrusted to you. The responsibility for bearing fruit rests in the vine, not in the branches. It's Jesus's job to get us through this disaster. He promised us that whatever time, this time, that time, hurricanes I've been through, I sat in the airport in Tokyo for 60 some odd hours when the earthquake hit Sendai and 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 didn't realize while well, I'm feeling sorry for myself because food is scarce in the airport and I'm having to sleep on a bunch of seats stacked together, that there's people just 400 miles away that 700 of them had died. And, and so we have this ability to just feel sorry for ourselves and not see any further than, you know, however something impacts us. Uh, we need to understand that in times like this, it's time for bearing fruit. And if we'll stay plugged into Jesus and and we'll listen to what the Spirit is saying and we'll do what he's saying to do, uh, we're going to come out of this thing better than we went into it. Our people are going to come out of it healthier than they went into it. Our churches have the potential to make a difference in the community. You know, one thing that we haven't even touched on is in the aftermath of this whole thing, there are going to be people hurting all around you, people who don't know Jesus, people who may be hostile to Jesus. And you and I are going to have an opportunity to bless our neighbors. I need to understand that whatever goes down, whatever happens, and whatever will happen, Jesus is in control. And He has said that He appointed you and I for a purpose. And that purpose is that we would bear fruit and the fruit would remain. And because of that, He says to the Father, Has promised to do whatever it is that we would ask. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at RalphMore.net.